You're listening to the Trinity Podcast. We are a multi-site church in the Chicago area whose mission is to help you look, live, and love more like Jesus. This week, we unpack the alternate path we often pursue after we fail and why any path outside of Jesus can never result in freedom. Discover how we can bring all our mess, sin, sorrow, guilt, and shame to Jesus. We get to experience His grace as He takes it all upon Himself. Here's week three of The Forgiving Challenge. Well, welcome back, everybody, to The Forgiving Challenge, this 40-day journey that we are on together, looking at how God's forgiveness actually leads us to freedom. And last week, we were talking about a three-letter word that honestly, in our culture, should probably be a four-letter word, and that is the word sin. We talked about how every single one of us, when it comes to God and his plans, falls short of the mark. We learned that that's really what sin is all about. It's this idea that every one of us, despite our best intentions, never quite measures up to what God has called us to. What we learned in all of that is that even in the midst of our sin and our brokenness, even in the midst of our failings and our shortcomings, Jesus still welcomes us. He still pursues us in his love. That's his heart towards sinners. But today, I kind of want to look at it from a different angle and ask the question, what do we do with our sin? If Jesus has a heart for sinners, what happens when we ourselves are struggling? When we know that there's something wrong in our lives, how do we handle our sin? And there, are, I think, are many different ways that people wrestle with that. I think sometimes the way that we try to handle our sin is, is we try to blame others for our shortcomings. We look outward and say, well, it really isn't my problem. It's this other person's problem, or it's a problem with my circumstances. But when we do that, really what we're doing is we're just honestly placing the weight of our sin on someone else's shoulders. We're making our problem their problem. We're never really dealing with what's at the root of what's wrong in our lives. Another tactic that I think a lot of us use is we, we try to hide our sin. We try to cover it up or, or stuff it down, thinking that maybe if I can just manage it a little bit better, it, it won't be such a problem for me. But the reality is, is it always leaks out. And my guess is, is that the people around you already see it. It really isn't a way of, of dealing with our sin because it's still there. We, we tried to dress it up or hide it in some way, but it continues to kind of leak out in the different areas of our lives. The last way that I think that we try to manage our sin or deal with it is by denying that it's even a problem. And typically we look to other people, right, to, to affirm what's going on in our lives. You know, it's, it's kind of encapsulated in this phrase in our culture, you do you, right? But deep down, we know that the problems are still there doesn't matter how many people we get to go along with us. The reality is, is that, that that sin still weighs on us. It still has power and authority in our lives. And, it, and it, the more we try to, to minimize it, cover it up, blame other people, or get others to go along with it, it still is leading us down a road that is departing from God and his purposes for our lives. Jesus himself said that he came that we would have life and have it abundantly. And that's the problem with sin. Sin always leads us in a direction away from the plans and purposes that Jesus has for us. It always leads us into places that don't 
ultimately satisfy our deepest longings. And left unaddressed, those sins continue to weigh us down. They keep us trapped in this prison that is, that is constantly dragging us back into our old ways of living. So how do we really find true freedom? Well, that's why the second word that we're focusing on this series is so important. What the Bible tells us is that the way to freedom is actually through confession. I love how one of Jesus' disciples, the disciple John, put it in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What John is saying is he's saying, you want freedom from your sins, you have to bring them to Jesus in confession. But again, here's another one of those words that I think we have, we have so many misconceptions about. When we hear the word confession, maybe we think of like uh, an actual confessional, especially for those of us who maybe were raised in like a Catholic background. We think that a confession is this kind of formal thing that we have to do where we have to go to a priest and say the right words and go through the right ritual. Others of us maybe grew up in more traditional uh, uh, worship environments, maybe even Lutheran environments. And when we think of making our confession, we think about words that we say together in a group. Maybe you went to one of those churches where every, there was always that moment in the service where together we'd all stand up or maybe we'd kneel and we'd say something like, most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we've left undone. And we kind of go on and then the pastor gets up and, and announces absolution over us. Or maybe for others of us, when we hear the word confession, we think of a courtroom. That moment when the person on trial finally fesses up and admits to their wrongdoing. Whatever your idea of confession is, what they all have in common is, is really what I think how our society defines confession. It's this kind of formal thing that we do. In fact, if you were to type the word confession into a Google search, this is the, this is the first definition that pops up. It says a confession is a formal statement admitting one is guilty of a crime. And I think that's part of the reason why we have a problem with confession, why we find confession so hard is because we feel like it, it has to be done in the right way or with the right kinds of words, that we have to dress it up in some way. But what I want to argue today is that God is less interested in how we formally come to him and is more interested in the fact that we simply come as we are. And where we see this most beautifully is in what we called last week chapter 89. It's, it's really the last chapter in the four Gospels, John 21. It, it comes uh, at a moment in the Apostle Peter's life. See, Peter, as we learned, was a close follower of Jesus, one of Jesus' friends, but he also messed up in a pretty big way. That in when kind of the moment came for him to, to, go to go with Jesus to the very end, he end, actually ended up selling Jesus out, denying that he even knew him. And it was tempting to wonder if, if that was the end of Peter's story. And yet we get to John 29, this 89th chapter in the four Gospels. And what we find is that Peter's story continues. It picks up when Jesus appears once more to his disciples. And that's really what I want to look at today. I want to look closely at John 21 because it's there that I think we find one of the most beautiful confessions in all of Scripture. 
but it's one that honestly is going to surprise us a little bit. Here's what we learn. Peter and the disciples have actually gone back to fishing. They went back to what was familiar for them. And, uh, and one of the things that I love is that every time Peter shows up fishing in the Bible, he's never successful without Jesus' help. I mean, the first time we meet him, he's, he's out there fishing and he's been fishing all night and he catches absolutely nothing. Another time when uh, Jesus actually tells him to go fishing, it's only because Jesus tells him that he actually catches anything. He only catches one fish. And yet here again, we find Peter and the disciples out on the boat all night and, and they've come up empty once more. I'm just glad that, that God had a different plan for Peter's life because it doesn't seem like fishing is really working out. But here we have, we have Peter kind of going back to what's familiar. And I have to wonder if it's because he, he wondered if he was done as the disciple of Jesus. If knowing his failures and his sin and his shortcomings had led him to a place where he's just like, I'm, I'm finished. Uh, there's no way Jesus could possibly still use me. So he goes back to what he knows. And yet there it is as, as he's coming back into the shore after a totally fruitless night that we read the following. It says that early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred meters. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. I love this detail that Peter the moment he realizes that it's Jesus calling to him, puts his cloak back on and jumps into the water. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely nuts that, that uh, he would actually put more clothes on to then swim to shore. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you've kind of capsized a boat or fallen into the water fully clothed, but it is hard to swim in those conditions. We are not talking about a bathing suit or, or a wetsuit here. We're talking about Peter in all of his clothing and all of his robes. And I think that the only explanation for this kind of totally irrational response is that he's actually overjoyed to see Jesus again. He's overjoyed to see not just his rabbi and his master, but his friend, the one who, who called him to a greater purpose than himself. And, and so he dives in. He gets as close to Jesus as possible. And the reason why I think that this detail is so beautiful is because it shows us that it doesn't matter the state in which we come to Jesus. Sometimes we think that in order to come before God, we have to put on our Sunday best and get all cleaned up. But what we see right here is that, honestly, we, we can come to God just as we are. Messy, broken, sopping wet, it doesn't matter. Again, God's not interested in how we formally come to him. He simply wants us to come. And here we find Peter doing that very thing and meeting with Jesus. But then what happens, I think, is, is, is truly stunning. 
that after they've eaten their breakfast, it says that, that Jesus actually kind of takes Peter aside and they have a little conversation. Here's what it reads. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Now there's a lot to unpack in that little story. And that's what really what we're going to be doing over the next couple weeks in this challenge. But I want to focus here on the kind of confession that we see taking place. One of the things that I find so interesting about this confession is never once does Peter say, Lord, will you forgive me? Never once does he fess up and go into all the ways in which he'd let Jesus down or fallen short of his calling. And likewise, neither once, uh, never once do we actually see Jesus say the words, I forgive you, Peter. You see, this is what we tend to think about with confession, right? I have to like enumerate all the ways in which I've messed up and then somebody actually has to formally say to, to me, I forgive you. But none of that is found here. And I think the reason why is because Jesus already knows. He knows what's in Peter's heart. He sees the, the, the heartache and the tears. He knows that moment that, that Peter went out after denying him and, and wept bitterly. Jesus knows it all because he doesn't have to hear the words out of Peter's mouth. He sees into Peter's heart. And likewise, Peter doesn't need to hear the words, I forgive you. What he needs to hear from Jesus is Jesus saying, I still want you to follow me. See, these two men standing there looking each other in the eyes, they don't need the right words. And likewise, when it comes to our confession, it's not about getting the words correct. It's rather about simply bringing our hearts before God. It's simply bringing our hearts and saying, Lord, you know my heart. And you know my desire is to follow you and to hear him once more say, then come and follow me. See, confession isn't about this formal thing that we have to do. It's not about getting the words right or making sure that we've drafted up the list correctly. It's simply coming to Jesus as we are and saying, here's my heart. Help me follow you. That's it. And, and I think that that's one of the things that, that maybe we need to understand. If you get nothing else out of this message this weekend, it's this. What if that's just how you came to Jesus? Not having cleaned everything up, not getting the words right, but if you simply say, here's my heart, Lord. Because what you'll find when you do is that not only does he know, but he's there already ready to meet with you. To offer you a, a fresh start even in the midst of your shortcomings. To say we can begin again right here and right now. That just as we present our hearts to him, he reveals his heart for us.
which is why this weekend we're going to do something a little different. When you walked into worship this morning, you received a little slip of paper. And what we want you to do with this little slip of paper is, is we want you to write down what's been on your heart. Maybe there are some things that you've been trying to hide or to deny or to cover up. Maybe there have been some things that you've been blaming others for. And the invitation this weekend is to experience the kind of freedom that comes when we lay those at the feet of Jesus and hear him invite us to follow him once more. So in a moment, you're going to have a chance to just write those on this sheet of paper. And don't worry about the words. Don't worry about getting it right. Simply write what's on your heart. And if you're honestly sitting there and you're just, you're struggling with what to say, maybe all you have to write here is, is Jesus, here's my heart. That's all we want you to do. And then you're going to have an opportunity to bring this forward. And there's going to be some bowls of water as you, as you come up. And, and you can drop this in there because what you're going to find is that when you do, these are going to dissolve away into nothing. Because that's what Jesus does with our sin. That when we confess those to him, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from our sins and to forgive us from all of, of all our unrighteousness. And then you're going to have an opportunity to take communion. Communion as a, as a reassurance of Jesus' love for you. As a reassurance that he knew everything about your story and still calls you his own. That his forgiveness and his mercies are new each and every day. And my prayer for you is that when you do, you'll experience just the kind of freedom that comes from knowing that we have a loving and gracious God who knows our hearts and welcomes us into his presence once more. And so it's with that in mind as you prepare to do that, that I just, I want to say a prayer for you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that you already know what's in our hearts and you still call us your own. And that actually our, our, our confession isn't a prerequisite for your forgiveness. Your forgiveness is new each and every single day. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to, to no longer feel like we have to hide our sin or deny it or, or blame it on other things, but we can come to you messy, soaking wet as, and broken as we are, and yet hear you once more say, come and follow me. And so, Lord, help us just to get real with you now, to lay our hearts before you, and to experience once more the goodness of your grace and your mercy to us. And through that, Lord, to taste just a little bit of the freedom, which is ours through you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Trinity Podcast. We hope this week's message encouraged you to consider the claims of Jesus in a new way. And we would love to have you join us for worship on the weekend. To find a location near you, visit www.tlc4u.org.